come and overrule and overwhelm. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would overrule and overwhelm my mouth and my words, our ears and our hearing, so that what is said and what is heard this morning is in accordance to the word of God and for the good of God's people. But ultimately, Holy Spirit, as we come to the word of God and it proclaimed, we pray that it would be done so for the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray this all in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this morning we continue on with our uh, extended sermon series now, uh, Phaseology, this uh, extended sermon series on the life, the ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit. We began uh, in late summer looking at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We progressed to perceiving or considering the Holy Spirit in the life and ministry of Jesus, and we've been spending the last several weeks thinking about how the Holy Spirit works in the church and in individuals. Just about three weeks ago, we began to consider the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And there, uh, in that first sermon on the fruit of the Spirit, we talked an awful lot about the new status of a believer in Jesus to the Father. The Father adopts those who believe in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And there, in that new status, that new relationship of adoption, salvation is received, but there is the expectation that the believer then will look more and more like Jesus, the Son, a sanctification. And we talked about in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, that these fruit of the Spirit, they reveal Jesus Himself. He is the best picture we have in all of Scripture of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm sure that I missed one. I always seem to. Well, this morning we come to patience and kindness. They have to be our two favorite uh, fruits of the Spirit, I'm sure. And, and this morning as we begin, I have to confess, I am not a patient person. I know, you, it's amazing. I don't like to wait I don't like to wait for a red light to turn green. I don't like to wait to be seated in a restaurant. I don't like to wait while the Mandalorian buffers. If you didn't catch that one, ask uh, someone like Craig. <laughs> I don't like to wait for a movie to begin. I don't like to wait for the boarding of groups one through eight while my boarding pass says group nine like it always does. I don't know who you have to talk to to get one through eight. I just don't like to wait, which is really unfortunate because I am chronically early. We typically use the word patience as a synonym for waiting. We tell our kids as we wait in line for a ride at Disney World, be patient. We tell ourselves while waiting for traffic on Brooks Bridge to clear, be patient. If you are like me, you probably had that Sunday school song sung to you uh, repeatedly as growing up. Have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry. I'm just, I'm the only one. All right, thank you, Sylvia. Thank you. Sylvia, you and me. Patience just seems so boring. Maybe you have kindness, right? I don't know about you, but when I think about kindness, I, my mind goes to Mr. Rogers and cardigan sweaters and my grandparents. I think about doing favors for people, I, lending a helping hand. I think about my grandfather, my papa, telling me all the time, just kill him with kindness, son. 
Maybe you're a bit like me. When it comes to kindness, it's something that I like to be around, but not something I necessarily like being. If patience seems boring, kindness just seems so weak. And yet we read in Scripture, Galatians chapter 5, 22, right? Spirit-inspired Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Is this what God has for us? Boring weakness? If the, fruit, if the Spirit fruit is Christ's character and believers in Jesus are supposed to be formed more and more into Christ's character, are we supposed to just be boring weaklings? Is that who Jesus was? Is this the true humanity that Jesus reveals? Is this all that we were created for? What is patience and what is kindness? Let's begin by saying this. I'm, I'm paraphr paraphrasing uh, something by a man named Inigo Montoya. I do not think patience and kindness mean what we think they mean. Just as we have overly simplified the word and the concept love, so we have an undernourished understanding of patience and kindness. Be patient, be kind. I'm going to try and explain this. When St. Paul describes love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, he does so by saying this, love is patient and kind. And so before anything else, we need to think about patience and kindness in connection to love, to agape. A few weeks ago, we, we looked at this fruit, the spirit fruit of agape love, and we defined it as a self-giving, self-sacrificing, ongoing care and concern for another. And if you've ever loved someone with self-sacrifice and self-giving, you know that there is nothing that is boring and weak about that. So if patience and kindness are two sides of the coin of love, I think we can say that there is nothing boring about patience and nothing weak about kindness. Because patience and kindness are expressions of self-giving, self-sacrificing care and concern for another. They are expressions of love. You can't be married for more than three weeks without showing patience and kindness to the one you love, right? Patience isn't just about waiting well. Patience isn't just about waiting nicely. It's not about being polite. Yes, we need to wait well when we're caught up in the huckmuck of construction on Highway 98, but the biblical virtue of patience, the spirit fruit of patience is much more than this. A few years ago, Camden was about, I think, eight, eight or nine years old. I took her fishing in the Gulf of Mexico, and let's just say that it did not go well. <laughs> On our six-hour trip, Camden exhibited great strength and great stamina. She exhibited what I would consider to be great patience. You see, as soon as we got into the Gulf, as soon as we stopped to fish for bait, she began to vomit. And for the next six hours, she was really miserable. And I'm not telling this story to embarrass her. I'm telling this story because, with her permission, by the way, because this is a great example of, of patience because she endured her illness. She stuck it out. Not once in the six hours did she whine. Not once did she complain. She even managed a small smile when we caught a mingo. Yeah, she was patient. Patience is this idea of suffering with endurance. And there is very few things worse than being seasick. 
This word translated as patient in our English Standard Version, which we heard this morning, this is a good translation of the word. It just doesn't capture the full nuance, the full depth of it. That word literally means long-tempered, as opposed to being short-fused. Long-tempered, and it's found as long-suffering in some of our older English translations of the Bible. It means something like forbearance. It has the depth of meaning, which includes being slow to anger, to put up with an annoying, irritating, painful situation, or to put up with an annoying, irritating, even painful person. Like Camden being seasick or like a pregnant mom in labor, far from being uh, boring or weak, biblical patience actually takes a great deal of stamina and strength. It takes a whole lot of what we used to call intestinal fortitude. But what about kindness? Really, we fall into some of the same problems when it comes to kindness. Far too often, we use the word kind when we really mean nice. And we use nice when we should really be seeking for kindness. We have nice salads. We have nice days. We have nice conversations. We have nice friends. But are they kind? Kindness, explains literature professor and author Karen Swallow Pryor, kindness isn't niceness. Nice comes from a Latin word which means ignorant or unknowing. Kindness actually involves knowing a person, knowing people, and then loving them anyway. That's kindness. And more than that, kindness is connected with goodness. Kindness requires not just a good feeling for someone, but the active work of the one who loves for the sake of the one who is loved. You can't just say, I'm, I love you, and not show it. That's not kind. Niceness can be faked. Kindness can't. Niceness is concerned with the external actions or appearances. Kindness comes from a heart of self-giving and self-sacrifice for the good of the other. And there is nothing weak about that. Now, let's make this point very carefully and very clearly. Patience and kindness are primarily relational words. John Stott calls them social virtues. That means that they cannot be produced, they cannot be practiced in isolation. They're about relationship. Patience and kindness are supposed to characterize the relationships within the church among church members. Patience and kindness are supposed to characterize relationships between believers in Jesus and those who are not yet believers in Jesus. Patience and kindness are spirit fruit and are to be character traits of those who believe in Jesus because we're supposed to be being conformed into the image of Christ. There ought to be a family resemblance. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Made in the image of God. Supposed to reflect God. Supposed to operate upon this earth as ambassadors for God. And yet we know how this story goes, don't we? First man and first woman, Adam and Eve, they fell into sin as they declared their independence from God, claiming that they knew better what it meant to be truly human. 
And over the course of time, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit worked through a people to bring about the redemption of humanity, the reconciliation of relationship, and the restoration of true humanity, the image of God. This work of redemption and restoration, this bringing of shalom, of peace, of wholeness, of integrity, of reinstituting the way things are supposed to be, this is all accomplished through Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, crucified and risen. The Holy Spirit, the eternal spirit that hovered over the face of the deep, is then poured out upon all those who believe in Jesus for the glory of God and for the good of believers. As the Spirit's work is Christocentric, it is focused on Christ and is bound up in transforming those who believe in Jesus into what? The image of Christ, the true human. What does God want for us? God wants us to look like Jesus. What does God want for us? He wants for his adopted sons and daughters to have a family resemblance. Writing in Romans chapter 8, St. Paul puts it this way, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his brother. Now, what does this have to do with patience and kindness? Be patient. I'm getting there. Patience and kindness are key character traits of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and thus they should be key character traits for those who are part of his family. There should be a family resemblance. As the Spirit grows this fruit within believers, he is working to restore true humanity, the image of God. He re-images us into the likeness of the Son. Patience and kindness are spirit fruit and are to be character traits of those who believe in Jesus. When it comes to patience, the biblical definition of patience, it's actually God who is the standard. He is long-suffering. He forbears. He is slow to anger. In Exodus chapter 34, for example, the Lord descends upon Mount Sinai and he, he hides Moses in this cleft in the rock, and he, he passes by Moses, and as he passed by Moses, he declares, the Lord, that's his name, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As he declares who he is, God declares that he is slow to anger, that is, patient, and he's abounding in steadfast love, that is, he is kind. Notice the context of God's declaration of self here in Exodus 34. This event occurs not after a great triumph, not after a victory, but after the people grievously sin against him. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses was up on the mountaintop communing with God, receiving the Ten Commandments, while Aaron and the people of Israel were cavorting with a golden calf and giving it the credit for the Exodus. God wasn't blessed by this, but he also didn't destroy the entirety of the people, did he? What did he do? He suffered their sin. God is patient. God is long-suffering. God forbears. God is also kind. There's a connection to God's kindness and his abounding and steadfast love. There's a particular and peculiar word in Hebrew. It's something that God has and that God is. This is the word hesed, and doesn't quite have an English equivalent. The best that we can do is to say that God's hesed is his steadfast love, his loving kindness. It's what we find described in the actions of the shepherd in Psalm 23. It is what is repeatedly proclaimed about God in Psalm 136. 
God's hesed is him being faithful to his promises, him paying careful attention to needs of his people, acting in generous and merciful love, generously providing everything for our blessing and benefit. That's kindness. Patience and kindness are marks of who God is. And Jesus, the incarnation of the eternal Son of God, is patience and kindness with legs. Patience and kindness actually lie at the very heart of the gospel because they are expressions of love. And love is the heart of the gospel. Just read in any one of the four gospel accounts, and we can see on every page Jesus suffering long with his disciples and with his opponents, right? He put up with questions and accusations. He endured with great stamina. And then he went to the cross. Present at creation, the eternal Son of God made flesh in Jesus, endured sin and death for those whom he loved and yet who were unlovely and unlovable. St. Paul writes this to his friend Titus, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Folks, Jesus is patience and kindness, and so I can tell you that patience and kindness, these things are not for wimps. They're marks of true humanity. They're character traits of Christ our Savior, and there ought to be a family resemblance. So where do these things come from? You've already heard my confessions this morning, and I know that I'm not alone. I trust that I'm not I hope that I'm not alone. Patience and kindness have to come from God. They're traits of God's very character made in His image and redeemed through Jesus. That image is restored, being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, in calling patience and kindness spirit fruit, Paul does not allow for a believer in Jesus to do nothing. You're not allowed as a believer in Jesus to kick back in your recliner with a bologna sandwich in one hand, a beer in the other, turn on the game, and expect that you're all of a sudden going to be patient and kind. In the context of Galatians chapter 5, Paul calls believers to walk by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. And so seeing Spirit fruit grow in our lives, yes, it absolutely requires the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, just as it absolutely requires our conscious effort. Walking in the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit means believers are expected to get up and actively obey God. And if there's one thing that we like less than patience and kindness, it is obedience. (laughs) But Terry Fulham once commented, the fruit of the Spirit grows only in the garden of obedience. So what can we do if we're trusting for the Holy Spirit to do this Spirit fruiting in us, if we're to bear fruit and abiding in Christ, what can we do to participate in obedience? What does patience look like with skin on? And first, I would say this, patience looks like commitment, doesn't it? A commitment to the relationship or situation in which there is challenge. Patience does not cut and run when desires aren't met or things don't go our way. There's a lot of folks in our congregation who've been married for over 50 years. They are patience personified in that relationship, aren't they? With one another. And it's amazing, and we should celebrate the heck out of that. 
Because they didn't cut and run. There's commitment. Second, patience in this commitment, it looks like stamina and endurance. There's this really deep theological term I want to share with you. You might want to get your pen out and get ready. Patience requires stick-to-itiveness. Stick-to-itiveness. That's the deep theological term I wanted to share with you. It requires stamina, endurance to stick to something as part of commitment. It also, patience, also requires forgiveness. Well, we're hitting all those special words today, aren't we? (laughs) Patience, kindness, obedience, forgiveness. Actively forgiving someone for their actions or their words every day. Actively forgiving. And finally, patience looks like refusing to do wrong in order to overcome wrong. Right, the playground mentality. You did me dirty, I'm going to do you dirtier. That's not patience. And what does kindness look like? If, if patience is commitment and stamina in that commitment, if patience is marked with forgiveness and a refusal to do wrong in order to overcome wrong, well, what about kindness? Well, there's big and small acts of kindness, aren't there? At the core, kindness is all about doing something that goes beyond the call of duty out of a desire to see the flourishing of another. To be kind is to bear your cross. The greatest act of kindness there is in the world is the cross of Jesus. Why? Because the one who knew no sin did what became sin. For who? Us. An act of kindness is doing something you don't have to do, knowing that it will cost you something, you will not be rewarded for it, and yet you do it anyway. Jesus and the cross is kind. These character traits are for our good. That's part of the restoration of the image. They're for our good. This is true humanity. But these character traits are witness to the gospel of Jesus. These character traits are witness to the truth of Jesus. These character traits in us are witness to an unbelieving world of His way, His true way to be human. And folks, I believe that this world needs more Jesus and less me. This world needs more biblical patience and kindness and less niceness. Doesn't the world need more biblical love expressed in this way, patience and kindness? And so let me ask you today, do you see this spirit fruit in you? What about others? Do they see this spirit fruit in you? Because there ought to be a family resemblance. If you can answer that question and you say, you know what, Lord, I need your help, that's a good thing. If the Holy Spirit is poking you this morning, prodding you this morning, provoking you this morning to respond with repentance, praise the Lord for that because repentance is the beginning of change and brings healing. And so if you find in yourself this morning a lack of patience, a lack of kindness, if you're thinking in your head right now, okay, Father Caleb, you're going on a little bit too long, repent! No, I'm kidding. If the Spirit is moving in you, convicting you of a lack of these things, that's a good thing because you now can repent and you can now receive. Repent by turning to the Lord and saying, I confess, I don't have what I need to have. There's a lack of a family resemblance and then turn yourself over to the Spirit to say, grow this fruit in me and lead me into obedience. For my good, yeah, absolutely, but more for the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, more for the testimony of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Patience and kindness are spirit fruit. There ought to be a family resemblance because the spirit 
works to conform us, to transform us into the image of Christ. And I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy and gracious God, we praise you. You are patient and kind. And we pray this morning, Lord, as we turn to sing your praises, Lord, we pray that you'd do a work in us, continue to work in us. Holy Spirit, we pray you would come. You are welcome here. We invited you here at the very beginning of our service. We continue to trust that you are a present among us. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would take the very word of God and use it as that two-edged sword Cut us to the very morrow, Lord, where we need conviction of sin. I pray with trembling that you would convict. Where we need encouragement, I pray with hope that you would encourage. But Holy Spirit, our desire is to continue to grow in our likeness to Christ, to be conformed more and more to his image, and we trust that you will do that work in us. Lead us into obedience. Lead us into patience and kindness. For the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand together and respond to the word of God by singing praises to God. <laughs>